0: Well, good afternoon. I'm Kelvin Thompson from here at UCF Center for Distributed Learning. And I'd like to welcome you to Online Engagement Strategies for Large Classes, part of our faculty seminars and online teaching. And our intention in each of these 30-minute seminars is to provide a brief treatment, although thorough, of a topic relevant to online teaching while connecting our participants to an array of resources for more detailed follow-up. Today's seminar will be successful, in our view, if you can walk away with at least just one thing that you can put into practice in your teaching. I'd like to acknowledge the 15 or so folks here face-to-face in our Center for Distributed Learning offices, as well as those, about 15 others, online via Adobe Connect. Our online participants are in great hands with Karen Tinsley-Kim, wave Karen, uh, moderating online, and John Pizzo, wave John, uh, making sure that everything moves smoothly from a technical standpoint. Those of you here physically have hopefully found uh, some papers, some physical uh, handouts and so forth. If you haven't, uh, we'll get those to you. Also make sure please that you sign in and uh, and pick up a feedback form because that will be very helpful to us. Uh, And Those of you online have digital access to the same materials. Karen and John will make sure that you're good there. In the feedback form for today's session, feel free to share any unanswered questions you might have or any relevant ideas or resources that would benefit others. And we'll follow up with those after the session. So we won't delay this any longer. Please join me in welcoming today's speakers, Carolyn Messiah and Wendy Howard. Wendy? Thank you.
1: Welcome and thanks for coming in. Uh, Before I introduce my esteemed co-presenter, I'm going to start with a quick poll. Um, oh, but you know what? Before I do that, quick snippet about our photo, the welcome photo. This was taken about an hour ago on my way back from the Student Union. Did anybody actually look up in the sky before they came in? Yes. Sundog, very cool natural phenomenon. So that's where our background screen came from. Um, but now we'll go ahead. And I'm going to launch a quick poll before I introduce Carolyn. Um, just to get a sense of your average class size, uh, because when we say large classes, I know that was in the title, I think many people have different, concepts of what large really means. Um, And I also want to point out that you may not be teaching a large class, but the strategies we're going to talk about today can be applied no matter what your class size. So even if you have less than 25 students, hopefully you'll still be able to make use of some of these strategies. So for those of you in the room, how many of you have less than 25 students as your average class size? All right. how about 25 to 50? Alright, just got a few hands. 50 to 100, is that more common? Alright, just a handful. 100 to 300. Alright, got a few more there. 300 to 500. One more there. And then how about our, our monster classes? More than 500. Crickets. Okay, um, we're going to go ahead. Those of you who are online, you can continue to chime in with your votes. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce my colleague. Um, some of you may know Dr. Carolyn Messiah from the College of Business. But for those of you who are not familiar with what she teaches, she teaches marketing routinely over 1,500 students every semester per section. <laughs> um, How many again?
2: 1,526 over- this semester in one class. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, which is amazing. So uh, if you think you have a lot of grading to do, talk to Carolyn on the break after this. Um, So I like to kind of put things into perspective. The strategies we're going to talk about today, she's actually made use of, and I think you'll find that it really does apply no matter what your class size, but even if you do think you have a lot of students, this should really help you manage and connect with your students as you go forward. So um, for those of you who are online, I just wanted you to see our faces since we're just voices um, over the airwaves. And as we go through our agenda today, you'll see in the top right hand corner, I'm going to switch out our headshot based on who's talking so you get a sense. We're going to flip-flop back and forth. So I'm going to kick it off with a little bit of background information about the challenge that the College of Business brought to us here at CDL, which was really what stimulated this whole um, creation of these four strategies, or at least formalizing them a little bit more. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to tag team back and forth for each of the strategies, as me, the instructional designer at CDL. I'm going to present the strategy very, very quickly and then after each one, turn it over to Carolyn to share her experiences in actually using them because I'm sure that's what you would rather hear a lot more about. (laughs) Um, So I'll be very quick with my explanation and let her tell you about her experiences. And then of course at the end we'll do a wrap up and Q&A. So those of you who are online, Karen will be monitoring for your questions. So feel free to put them in as you go. Um, Those of you in the room, I'm going to ask since we have such a a short timeline that you please hold your questions until the end. And and we'll stay late if we have to um, to address all of your questions. So, how did this come to pass? Was basically, as I mentioned earlier, um, the dean and some of the faculty, including Carolyn from College of Business, came to us with a challenge of, we need to increase engagement for our online students um, or our lecture capture students. And uh, basically, they were told from AACSB, I want to get this correct, AACSB, that in their next round of accreditation, they needed to demonstrate increased engagement for their students. So they came to us for some creative solutions. And we we came up with some real pie-in-the-sky ideas, and we're still pursuing those. But in the meantime, there were a handful of things that we figured you could do to have an immediate impact using the existing tools you have in web courses already. So that's what we're going to focus on today, is those things that we were able to immediately put into place the following semester um, to help reach their students and engage them a little bit better. Um, So you may be able to relate to some of the questions I have up here on this slide. Um, I know Carolyn did when we started all of this. I also want to point out uh, there's a study that was conducted here on campus by Doctors Wang, Jubin, Cook, and Moscow back in 2009 where we looked at those very important SPIs, the student perception of instruction. And they did a study and they found that there were really just a handful of questions that predicted an overall excellent rating on your course um, SPIs. And one of those, I want to get this right, one of those was basically the instructor showing and demonstrating that they cared about the student. And that really was one of the top three determining factors of getting an overall rating of excellence. So that's really what we're getting at when we talk about these engagement strategies. Um, So at the end, I'll give you that citation in our resources, but I wanted to point that out. So, with that, I'm going to go into our first strategy and very quickly talk about that. The first one is what we call in web courses, message students who. And I'll also mention some alternate tools that you can use for all of these strategies. But the first one was really, how can I send out a message um, to my students based on certain criteria after an event has occurred in my course? Um, so Message Students Who is located in your gradebook in web courses. And what it allows you to do is preset, according to certain criteria on that assignment, if they scored below something, if they scored above something, if they didn't submit it. Um, you can preset based on that criteria a message that will go out that's targeted straight to them and their needs. So somebody who maybe struggled, you want to send them a particular message versus somebody who performed really well versus somebody who didn't turn it in at all. So I'm going to let Carolyn talk about that in just a minute, but uh, what I wanted to point out is um, for those of you who are online or watching this later, in Blackboard they have an early warning system that works similarly. This is also like the engagement and learning analytics module in, Mo- in Moodle and the intelligent agents in desire to learn So most of the learning management systems have a similar feature to this. And in your handouts, there are links that take you to the Canvas guides on step-by-step how to do that in web courses. And uh, we provided digital copies of those through the web links. It's on our, our seminar web page. So you can download that and actually click on those
2: links. But I want to quickly turn it over to Carolyn okay. to talk about her experience. Okay, and actually, really quick, because I don't think we had a chance to say it, Wendy, kind of explain lecture capture. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because not everyone may know uh, lecture capture. Uh, the College of Business we're very mm-hmm. sizable, and so that means all of our intro courses are, I think, our smallest intro course, maybe 600. Uh, mine's being the largest at 1,500 plus. So that means I have a classroom that seats 300 students. I do teach live, hour 15 minutes, twice a week. Uh, but I have 1,500 plus students enrolled in the class, so the seats are first come, first serve. But everyone has access to the video stream. Uh, the only time the first come, first serve is a problem is the first few weeks of class because you have the the uh, new students who haven't figured out lecture capture yet. Uh, but they have a, They have the chance then to to do the stream. So that really means then that most of the semester, uh, I'm I'm seeing maybe 20 percent of my students live uh, in the in the lecture hall. Uh, and so these tools become very important then to engage. This one is, it's so simplistic, but it is absolutely amazing. So at, we just had an exam. I just had exam four. And I have a template set up. And I believe, Wendy, we said we were going to find a way to share that so that anybody we can. can your hand oh, OK, great. So I had templates set up. So that any student who earned 93% or higher, uh, this exam, it's exam four. So it said, wow, you did a great job, particularly since it comes after spring break. And we had a long time in between exam three and four. Awesome job, Dr. Messiah. I have one that set set up that if they scored below 65%, I'm looking at your exam grade. I'm very concerned about how you're doing. You need to come and see the graduate assistant and review your exam, Dr. Messiah. And then I have one because they're allowed to miss one exam and make it up during the finals week. And it says, I noticed that you missed this exam. Remember that you only get to miss one exam. So I look forward to making certain that you do that exam. I'm sending this out to 1500 students. Uh, the interesting thing is is I hear back more from those who got the you didn't do well exam- email. And usually it's, wow, thank you so much. I didn't think in this size class someone would care. So it's amazing. I hear back more from those. Uh, Then the next larger group is those who did well and they go, in college we never get to hear from professors we did well, particularly in our larger classes. It's just you go on, you do it. Uh, That's been very powerful, but also I think in emailing those that have not done as well, I'm capturing them hopefully beforehand. And my GAs are seeing more traffic coming to review their exams this semester than we have in the past. And they'll come saying, Dr. Masai emailed me and told me I should come. They think it's a personal email for me. (laughs) So, it's an awesome tool. It's an awesome tool, simple, so simple. All right, so the next
1: strategy we have then is something that I kind of tagged targeted office hours. Um, And this is something that you can do independently or these four strategies can be done in sequence. And so the idea with targeted office hours is when you start to have students line up outside of your office during your office hours, the larger the class, the longer that line seems to get. Do you ever find that many of them had the same question or a similar concern or needed just a little bit of extra explanation on the same topic? Why not find a way to kind of group them together is the concept behind targeted office hours. So potentially what you could do if you wanted to combine this with strategy number one is you could, when you create those targeted messages, um, you could include in those messages an invitation to come to one of the particular meetings that would benefit that student in that criteria. So, if a student didn't perform well on a particular weekly quiz, um, then that particular weekly quiz, you may want to put in that message, you know what, I'm going to go over that content for anybody who has questions during this set of office hours versus the following week's quiz, I might do it a different time. Um, So, in those messages, you can actually um, send send information about how you want to handle your targeted office hours. Um, This really is non-tool specific. Um, So, what's really nice is, You can do it outside of web courses or within web courses. So
2: with that, I will turn it over. So I've done it both ways. I have done it live face to face outside, which is nice, because sometimes I'll get the students who never get a chance to come to the live class, because I'm doing the targeted office hours at a separate time. Then they have a chance to just come and meet me. They have a need to meet me, so see me face to face, I guess. So I've had targeted office hours for those who did poorly on an exam. I've had targeted office hours for those who want to talk about marketing as a career because that's a, during office hours you have the students who come and unfortunately you're the, that's the one you have to rush out because I read an article one time and I have to believe it's true because that's my office hours. They say on average a professor sees 20% of their students during office hours. I have 1,500 students. I, I always have a line outside of my office. My GAs joke they're my bouncer. So they, they're there. <laughs> Feel, feeling out people. Unfortunately those that come that want to talk about how do I do better or how do I, I feel like I have to turn them over quickly so I can get to the next person in the line. Doing these targeted office hours. I've done it for first generation students. I've sent out an email because my class is an intro class so I get quite a bit of uh, transfer students. Uh, so I've done it for transfer students. I've done it face to face and I've also um, had it online as well. And uh, I've done a Skype uh, meetings online, so I say, okay, I'm going to be on this time and I'm talking about marketing careers. You want to join in? Uh, So it's worked really well and it's given a chance where students get to interact with me that maybe because of the class they they would not have in any other way. So they get that smaller intimate feeling.
1: Yes, and one thing I'll also add because she's so modest is after Carolyn tried this for the first time, she was already a very popular professor (laughs) in College of Business, but she walked into a meeting with us and sat down and said, I feel like a rock star. I am a celebrity on campus. Students were recognizing her and stopping her left and right after having that one special um, meeting about careers. So that was pretty cool. Uh, So the third strategy then is, um, I, I didn't know what to call it, so we're calling it Scheduler because that's the tool inside of web courses. But really this is just another way to help manage your time because the larger your class is, the more students you're trying to reach, the more your time management becomes in increasingly critical. Um, so, the scheduler, the concept is really just let's find an easy way to have students sign up to come see you um, so that you can better manage your time when they're and you know when to expect them to come. Um, if you're doing this in sequence with the other two strategies, ideally what you would do is set up some kind of a scheduling tool and embed that in that message that goes out based on the criteria. So, for example, if I'm using the scheduler tool inside of web courses. I may remind them where they can go find it in that message that goes out to them so that they can go find that specific time on the calendar and sign up to come see me for that specific targeted office hour meeting. Um, So that's how they can be kind of used in sequence. As far as web courses is concerned, that scheduler tool is actually located inside of your calendar. Um, In the handout, when you get the digital version, if you click that link, it'll take you into the Canvas guide and show you exactly how to set it up. But it's embedded inside of the calendar, and you can set up for each of those times, give it a a topic, and then how many students are allowed to sign up for the same time slot, and then bam, it goes live to them, and they can go into the calendar and click what time they want to sign up for. So it's a really nice feature, and actually it was pointed out to me that when we first went to Canvas that wasn't turned on initially. It is now, and it's it's being used quite successfully. Um, Some of the other tools that you might consider using if you don't want to use scheduler inside of web courses, is Doodle Pull is a free web app that you can use. And also just good old paper and pencil
2: sign up sheets work as well. Yeah, so the lesson I learned the hard way is doing the targeted office hours without doing the scheduler. Uh, because I thought, well, how many students will come? So I reserved uh, one of our, our conference rooms on the third floor of the College of Business and it seats 20, okay? So and it was about, the first one I did was basically, if you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, I'll, I'll be there. So you can come meet me. And I had about 200 students show up. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, now we have to readjust this. And so using the scheduler with that helps a great deal because then I can say, I have this block of time. Uh, if you're one of the students who wants to talk about marketing as a career path, Then other students who want to talk about that same thing will have a joint discussion. It's not going to be me presenting. We're going to discuss together and have a conversation. I have this many spaces. Uh, It's interesting because what will happen is is those spaces will fill because once people see spaces fill up, they think there's something I should be going to hear. And so then they request, can you have a second one? Could you have a third one? I'll tell you this, and I'll say this because as a faculty member sitting here listening to this, your next thought, and mine was when I first thought about this, was I'm already doing office hours oh my goodness, this is another time here, another time there. Uh, actually and if you're like me and you have a large class and I'm saying 70 and up, then you already know you're, you're meeting students outside of your office hours. No matter how many office hours you have posted, you're already seeing students outside of your office hours. This is a way to make it a more efficient way to do that. Uh, because elsewise, I always, I always joke, there must be some sentry on campus somewhere that alerts the students that Dr. Messiah is on campus. So even if I'm in the office with the lights off, they know I'm there. So I might as well be more effective and efficient with with doing it so that I can not have the same conversation 20 times, but combine it into one one one-hour session. Excellent. And last but
1: not least, I could probably, and I have done full sessions just on web conferencing. So um, there's a lot you could talk about here. But within this context of engagement and um, putting it in sequence with the previous three uh, strategies, one thing you can do is use web conferencing software to reach those students who can't come to campus. This is the faculty seminar for teaching online, so we don't want to forget our online students. Um, So there is a way to still do all of these things and just meet with them online instead of in a conference room or in your physical office. Um, Many of your students might be able to make it to campus for lecture, but we know many of our students have families, they have jobs, and they may not be able to come outside of that scheduled class time. So this gives them another opportunity to connect with you directly without having to come to campus. So web conferencing uh, there is a tool built into your web course uh, that's called the Conferences Tool. So on the left hand pane um, when you have your home page, your syllabus, your assignments, there's another button there that's called Conferences that a lot of people ignore. So you can click that. It's a built-in free web conferencing system that's just like Adobe Connect or WebEx or some of the GoToMeeting some of the others that you may have heard of. And that allows you to meet with your students live, in real time. You can see a screenshot here on the slide, and that's what the interface looks like. So it's much like our Adobe Connect session that you're experiencing today. So you can see who's online, you can share your desktop, you can share a document, um, and talk through it live, either just with audio, or you have the option of including video. If you have a webcam, if your students have a webcam, you can also add to that communication channel, being able to see each other. Um, so, as I mentioned, there are a couple other tools. Um, so, you've got Adobe Connect, WebEx, GoToMeeting are probably the most popular, and they all have either a free trial or a free version before you pay for the premium upgrade. Um, so, you can experiment outside of web courses if you need to. Um, there are plenty of tools to do that. One thing I point out in the handout is in addition to holding those targeted office hours that you've informed students about through your message students who, where they've signed up to come in and meet with you, Um, you can hold those same meetings online versus in your office. And so that's the whole idea behind using web conferencing. But in your handout there, also a bullet list of some other things that you might want to use for conferencing.
2: So two two semesters, this is my second full semester of using some form of web conference or or online office hours. And so the first semester I did it, and, and Wendy and I have talked about this. The first semester I did it, I said, oh, I don't know, Wendy, I'm going to have everybody in the world wanting to Skype with me or web conference with me. And when am I ever going to just get off this computer? And that was my worry with that many students. I will tell you last semester, and I'll tell you this, and then I'll tell you what my SPIs look like, and you'll realize how one small thing makes a Great difference. So, last semester, beginning of the semester, I said, you know, I know that this is a lecture capture course. Some of you are not on campus at all. So, I'm available through web conferencing. If you cannot make it on campus, I'm available for um, uh, talking to you that way. And I thought, well, there you go. I've opened Pandora's Box now. It's going to happen. Uh, End of the semester, I had met with three students. Three students. And I had, I think I was right at 1510. Um, I was a little down last semester. So, I was at 1510 for the fall. Met with three students online. Get my SPIs, though, and I'd say well over 50% of the students who completed the open response said, wow, she is so accessible. She's even online with office hours. But I only had three students use it. So it's not about actually, in in some cases, it's not about the fact that they use it. It's It's they know that you are there. Um, and that goes back to what Wendy started out talking about, about uh, being caring. Those are the constant themes in my SPI throughout. She really cares, she's really accessible, she's always there, but I only have three do it. So. And it's that
1: perception that you're available yeah. and you're willing to do it, whether they take you up on it or not, they feel that you care. And
2: it's the huge. same thing, they also mention in the SPIs because we started using the message who at the end of last semester, the students who did poorly, the students who did well, they also mentioned in the SBIs about, she took the time to email individual students about their grades, because they think that's what I did, is I, they think I sat there and emailed individual students about their grades, so.
1: Awesome, well the last thing then is, can't believe we stayed right on time, yeah, we, did uh, we do have some resources, so that article that I was talking about, thank you for bringing it right back around to that <laughs> article, is in the references here, but I also wanna point out, um, under the resources, If you haven't already learned about TOPER, our Teaching Online Pedagogical Repository, say that five times fast, um, we are actually putting together um, some entries for that website. It's an excellent resource for all kinds of different strategies for online instruction. Um, But we're going to add four more entries based on these four strategies. Um, And you'll even see little video snippets from today that are in those entries. Um, So there's a peer review process to that. Um, So we hope to have them up and ready for you by the end of the month, if not sooner. Um, It's just going to take a little bit of time to get the video in there, and then they'll be up and running. Uh, The other thing is we always have our teaching online website, which is a huge resource. And the last one that I forgot to put on here is within your handout, there are links throughout, in the PowerPoint slides, there are links throughout on how to do these strategies in web courses. Those are all linking to the Canvas guides. Um, So if you don't want to go digging for those links, you can also click help inside of Web Courses. I know nobody wants to do that. But in the top right hand corner of your screen there's that little orange help button. If you click that, you can go straight to the Canvas guides and look up how to actually use all of these tools that we talked about today. So with that said, I'm going to let Carolyn wrap things up.
2: Questions? We've got a couple
0: online already, here.
2: All right.
1: hours that are uh, for students who did poorly on the exam. Uh, considering FERPA, how is this
2: different from posting grades publicly? Okay, so that's a good question. So the question is, is, if I do a targeted office hours for students who did poorly on an exam, how is that different from uh, FERPA? So first of all, what I do is the targeted targeted hours are, first of all, everyone knows about in the class. So they're not getting just, not just those who perform poorly. Uh, But then what I'm saying is is that uh, this is to provide study skills to anyone who wants to improve their grades. So that is how I do that.
1: And one thing that I will add is that this tool is embedded inside of your web course. Um, So it's just sent through the messages inbox. And so the, the other students don't know who received the message. It's right. all sent individually
2: through that inbox. Right. You don't have a large CC list there of everyone who did poorly. Excellent.
1: Okay. Uh, another question from Anna Leon. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, when using the scheduler for specific topics, so you can get a group of students together, how are you...
2: Okay, so the question is is how do I determine the topic for the targeted office hours? Uh, Is it syllabus driven? How do I determine it? Well, I'm marketing. So my first thing is ask the customer what they want. Uh, Ask them what they want elsewise. What I think may be important to talk about, I could schedule something and no one ever shows up. that's never happened to any of us, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so what I do is actually um, once every two or three weeks, I do it as a quiz online. It's a freebie quiz. But, uh, basically, it's uh, just asking them different topics that they would like to do. And then, therefore, I never really have to worry about whether they show up. They ask for it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Any questions from in the room? Yes. Uh, question on messaging, who you talked about, how it's present in the grade book. Is there any messages about the modules? Oh, that's an excellent question. And it is a feature that we have asked of mm-hmm. Instructure. Um, Some of the other LMS's have additional criteria besides just grade-based criteria on individual assignments. It's not there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the question? (laughs) See, I'm so bad about this.
2: Um, I'm well trained from lecture capture. the question
1: was, um, with the message students who, can you send out messages based on other criteria besides the grades in the the gradebook? Um, And so right now that feature is limited just to inside the gradebook, but it has been submitted multiple times. So, Hopefully we can do
2: some research and see if it's in their roadmap. I've actually used that because I have an attendance column in my grade book, not for my big, for my regular size class of 70. I have an attendance column, so my GA's put in the 0101. And so I've used it as well in there to send out um, to, and so they, they actually think I'm sitting there pinpointing people. So I've used it. The
1: of that that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to write that down. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, as long as I've set it up as a gray column, then I have the capability to do the message who with that.
1: Any other questions? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. um, Have you found
2: that your students have any kind of preferences for the time of day you offer any kind of web conferences? Yeah, so I've done the same thing. So the question is, is what's the preference for the timing of the uh, targeted office hours? And honestly, what happens is I end up usually doing a double, I do an A and a B. Uh, targeted office hours because you'll have those who are the traditional full-time students so then with them the noon or the 1.30 time period works well and then you have those who are maybe part-time and then working great a, a great deal so then the the time becomes the 6 p.m slot and so i'll do a, a and b I had a class a couple of years ago where my
1: 60 students were in 16.
0: Way to Japan and, uh,
1: trouble picking the time. <laughs> and the follow-up comment was: 16 students in 16, or students in 16 different time zones.
2: Yeah, so something like that, where you have uh, spread across the 16. That I'm thinking you're going to get down to at most maybe four. Someone's going to get up really early, or stay up really late, but unfortunately, you're probably at, le- at the least you probably get down to four, and that's probably about as many as you can do. Actually, this, this is this is sort of like not, not so
0: much a question but a comment because when we have. The- small classes. I think the, the idea of having a conference thing open for, for those classes where either you explain before some of the issues that you're going to talk in your live session or that you can record something for students that are in different time zones because because I have the same problem. So you do a session or even with the students you record the session with the students are some physically like here, some physically present and some there, and so you post it in the discussion board so people can, can listen to the recording and then discuss on the discussion board additional, additional
2: additional Yeah. So his comment is, and I'm going to try to summarize. So mm-hmm. uh, so his comment is, is when you're having uh, these mixed mode courses or uh, the lecture capture, we yeah. refer to them as the reduced seating courses, so not everyone physically has to be there. But you still want some sort of discussion across mm-hmm. the class, but you have different time zones, different issues to consider as far as involving them in discussion three, four years ago when we were still very new at doing lecture capture. uh, You know what I used to do and it's very simplistic but actually it's funny because it's amazing how no matter anything else people seem to be on Facebook 24 hours a day. And so uh, what I would do, I have a GA that sits in my class with me and uh, they would have a, a, we'd set up a Facebook marketing 3023 fall whatever and uh, we'd have a GA monitor that throughout the lecture. So those who were streaming me live, it's only about a 30 second delay, they would discuss and ask me questions and the GA would, very similar to this, the GA would raise their hand and tell me there's a question, there's a question. Uh, we're actually working now, partnering with, we're very fortunate, partnering with a, a group that's here in Research Park in the hopes that with a, with a class like that where it's either taped and then watched later, you have a possibility to be able to stop the lecture and ask questions and have those who are watching it asynchronously answer it. Uh, so believe me, I'm eagerly awaiting for that technology to work as well. So I'm one of the ones we're testing that with, yeah.
1: And technology-wise, I'll just add two things. Um, one is, just like today we're doing um, Adobe Connect, we are recording this session. If you're using the conferences tool inside of web courses, you do now have the option to record that. It'll be available for two weeks, and then um, it'll cut off, unfortunately. Uh, but you do have the ability to do that recording. And that quickly, I think you took my other, oh, the second one was um, what she was describing as via response. And I know yes. they've come to some of the events sponsored by FCTL, so you're curious about that tool. Do we have time for one last question? We've got some, some three, last uh, three last questions online. Three last questions online. And you know what, really quick before we address yeah. those, since I'm looking at the clock, we're at that 2.30 time slot. I want to respect everybody's time, so if you need to slip out the back, um, I do encourage you to to go ahead and do that if you need to. Um, But we're willing to stick around for a little bit longer and answer questions. So um, don't feel bad if you have to step out. But let's hit those three online. Yeah? No? (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, Anna Leon again had a question. Our students with smaller classes are so used to participating in class larger would be difficult and not impossible.
2: So how do you help students make the So, first, even when I'm teaching in that lecture hall that seats 300, I don't... So, the question is, is, how do you get the students to adjust from being in less than, let's say, 50 students in a class where they feel they can participate? So then, getting into one of these larger classes—300, 400, 500—how do you get them to participate? Wendy and I were talking about this the other day. Is the most simple thing is to still treat it like it's a regular-sized class. Uh, and I think that anytime you talk to any of my students, they go, "Wow, Dr. Messiah will talk you to death," because I will. I'm—I love to hear myself talk, but I try never to talk more than 15 minutes, even in a lecture class. I try it in the lecture hall. Uh, so I stop. I ask questions. We have microphones in the class for the bigger class. Uh, I'll tell you something. And it sounds really simple, but I'm telling you it works. I had beach ball days. Uh, so in my classroom of 300, I bring these two inflatable beach balls. I ask a question, and you know, and we've all been there. You ask that question, crickets, crickets. You don't hear anything. I ask the question. I throw the beach ball. You pick, you catch it. You get to answer the question. So then all of a sudden, now you have people fighting to catch a beach ball so they can answer a question that before they would have never raised their hand for. And then they throw it up and flip it over to someone else. Same thing. It's something so simple. No technology (laughs) needed (laughs) there. Okay, and then one more online question before we
1: bring Calvin back up. Oh, two more? Okay. And I think you kind of answered it
2: already, but is there anything that you would do differently or recommend considering that most of your audience is only managing classes of 50 to 100? I would say still do the targeted meetings. You will have those students who will never come to you unless you suggest it. I would say still do the message who. Uh, when do we ever get a chance to sit down and actually say something to even in fifty even in thirty students? When do you ever because you're forever moving, still do the message who? I would say still offer the opportunity to do the web conference. So my answer is, is all four of these techniques will work regardless of what your class size is. All right, the
1: last one. Um, I do not believe there is. The the question was about automated messages in the scheduler. Um, As far as I know, at this point in time, the only automated messages are the ones that are tied to the grade book. And we're bringing Calvin back up. Thank you so much.
0: And so thanks very much, Carolyn and Wendy. I just have some housekeeping things. You guys have been very, very patient, except for those who had to run off to another meeting face-to-face here. Before you go, I do want to issue the reminder, please do fill out the session feedback form, as this will help us continue to improve each of these seminars. Um, Again, if you have any unanswered questions, it's also a venue for you to write those down, because we'll stay in touch with Wendy and Carolyn, and we'll actually be able to send an email out to all of our registered participants, and, and you'll be able to see a summary and answer to those things if you get it to us in a timely fashion. Uh, again, let me direct your attention to the session web page containing the many resources from today's session, including the slides and the recordings. And I neglected to write this on the whiteboard up here, but I can. Uh, if you want to stick around, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is, but I'll write it down. If you, if you, if you're a you want to, if you're a visual person, so it's it's the URL shortening service Bitly, B-I-T. L-Y slash online underscore large, bit.ly slash online underscore large, all uh, lowercase. And that will get you to the session page. And you will receive, if you register for today's session, you will get a follow up email with a link to this site and uh, some other resources, feedback form. And while you're on the website, take a look at the other seminars that we've done in the past. We've been doing these for um, a couple of times a year for the last couple of years. There's lots of stuff. I see that those get hit every single month. People are accessing those. And also look for future seminars in coming semesters. And finally, if you have ideas for future seminars, use the feedback form and use the feedback form and use the feedback form.